I would just like to start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is truth and your word is life. And Father God, it proceeds from your mouth. So Lord, help me to stand aside and invite your Holy Spirit to come now to speak through your word in your precious name. Amen. So we're reading from John chapter 3, verse 1, the reading we had earlier. So I just encourage you to have your Bibles open to John chapter 3, verse 1. If, um, if my translation is a little bit different, I'm reading from the New International ver- uh, 2011 version, which is slightly different from the Pew Bibles. So as I was was preparing this uh, passage, I was reminded of Martin Luther. We know from history Martin Luther was a catalyst for the Reformation. Martin Luther was a very devout monk. He lived a life of prayer, fasting and piety. One time he went without sleep and enduring bone-chilling cold without a blanket and flogging himself with a whip. As he later commented, if anyone could have earned heaven by the life of a monk, it was I. So why did Luther do all this? Because he thought that was how to please God and get into heaven. He thought that if he did all those things to himself, he could get access to heaven. But even though he did all this to please God, he found no consolation He had no inner peace. There was something missing in his life. There are many people like Luther today, very moral and religious. They know the Bible very well, but yet there's something missing inside them. Maybe that's you today. Let me tell you, you're not alone. In the passage we read today, we meet a man called Nicodemus. Now, there are three things we see about Nicodemus in this reading. The first one is his character. Who was this Nicodemus? He was a religious and moral man. He was a Pharisee and teacher of the Jews. Now, you didn't get to that position unless you were very qualified, unless you knew the Bible, sort of like going to uh, being a theologian, knowing the Bible. And he knew it very well. He knew the law and he obeyed it, and he lived by it. He was a very pious man, very religious man, was Nicodemus, teacher of the Jews. You see, the Pharisees, poor Pharisees, usually got a bad rap. Just like the Sadducees. You see, they didn't believe in the resurrection, that's why they were sad, you see. But they did know the scriptures and did believe them to be the word of God. So they were conscientious about obeying it. The mistake they made, like Luther, is that they tried in their own effort to make themselves acceptable to God, to gain access to heaven. Sadly, there are many like that in the world today. People can claim to be religious, moral and pious, and yet judge people that don't live up to God's standards or their standards. Then there are people who believe that they can get to heaven by being good and moral. 
I'm sure we all know people like that. We know very good people. Yeah, they're nice people. They're kind, they're generous, they're good-hearted. They don't break the law. Yet, that's not good enough for God. That's not good enough to get them to heaven. Religion is not enough to save us. We're told clearly in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11 about the priests that said, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. That's why they did it again and again. Because they'd mess up, they'd sacrifice, they'd muck up, they'd sacrifice again. Unfortunately, there are people in the church that are like this. They get involved in church ministry, do their spiritual duty, turn up for church, they read the Bible, they pray. Yet, they think that is enough to get into heaven. They think that's all they need to do to gain access. This is what the Pharisees like Nicodemus believed. So what was it that made Nicodemus go to Jesus? I mean, he was a, he was a teacher of the Jews, highly respected, well-educated, knew the law. Yet he's going to Jesus, a rebel preacher. So did he want to check out this preacher? To trap him? Did he want to get some accusation against Jesus to take back to his to his his own party so they could uh, arrest him? Or did he have a genuine need in his soul? Was there something missing in his life that he needed desperately? That was his character. What was his concern? Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Apparently he was very conscious of public opinion. There are many, many of us are like that. We are conscious of public opinion. So we go to Jesus in secret. We go to Jesus in the privacy of our own home, in secret. He was affected by it. The reason for his concern is that Jesus was rapidly gaining popularity and he did, Nicodemus did not want to be identified with an unpopular cause or controversial itinerant preacher. Does that remind you of some people? Maybe it reminds you of yourself. But there was a greater pressing need in his soul that made him seek out Jesus. I don't believe he wanted to trap him at all. I believe he was a genuine inquirer. So why did he come to Jesus? What did he want from Jesus? Let's look again at verse 2. The second part, he says, Rabbi. Now, Rabbi means teacher. And to call somebody a teacher is to put them in high esteem. So, Nicodemus, a teacher himself, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, 
putting him on his level. We know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So, Nick, so the book of John is, is an account of life and ministry of Jesus. And see, Nicodemus didn't actually come with a question. He came with a statement. You are a teacher come from God, he says. No one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus knew that God was with Jesus. The book of John is an account of the life and ministry of Jesus and there are many things revealed about Jesus in the book of John. Nicodemus would have heard about the miracles he did, maybe even seen some, maybe he was a Facebook stalker and he was stalking him, maybe he was following him on Twitter, but he heard about Jesus and the signs and wonders that he did. And that is what caused him to say that no one could do these signs, these miracles, unless God was with him. Nicodemus saw something in Jesus that was different. No ordinary teacher. You know, there are many great Bible teachers and preachers around the world, but none of them can do the signs that Jesus did. None of them can save, save people, raise the dead, do all his signs. But Jesus was different. And Nicodemus knew that Jesus had the answer or the answers he was looking for. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus with this observation and Jesus gives him this very puzzling response. Jesus says to him, Truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That was quite a strange response to what Nicodemus had said. You know, Jesus could have said, Thank you, Nicodemus. I am a teacher sent from God. No, he didn't. Straight into, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. But because Jesus knew what Nicodemus needed. The answer to the emptiness in his heart was to be reborn. To have a new beginning and a new birth. To be reborn means a complete transformation. No longer he would be a slave to sin. Or his, or his own appetites. He would be part of God's family. Now that phrase, to be born again, is the same phrase that, that, is, that is used in the Bible to refer to born from above. So unless we are born from above, we cannot see the kingdom of God. So now we look at Nicodemus's question. Jesus was teaching Nicodemus two important truths. The first one was the necessity of the new birth. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about a new kingdom. This is what the whole thing that Jesus was talking about, a new kingdom. You see, the talk of a future kingdom gave the Jews hope. 
They'd been persecuted by the Romans and were looking for the day when they would be free. The promised Messiah would come and redeem them from the tyranny of the Romans. And right through the Bible we hear prophecy after prophecy from the great prophets about a coming Messiah, a coming kingdom, somebody that would come and release them from captivity and bring them into their own own kingdom. And that's what they were looking for. The world today is under the tyranny of Satan, God's enemy. This world is full of evil, disease, corruption and sin. And just like Nicodemus, people are looking for answers. The way the world is at the moment, people are living in fear. I mean, terror attacks everywhere. You just never know when they're going to come. People are living in in fear of the next generation. What sort of a world are their children going to grow up in? What sort of a world are we going to have in the next 30 or 40 years? People are afraid. They don't know where to go for the answers. The government won't help them. Government's deceitful sometimes. Jesus has the answers we need, and it's simple. We need a new birth. We need to be born again, a new beginning and a new birth. Jesus tells Nicodemus that there is only one entrance into the kingdom of God. And Jesus makes it clear that the condition for entrance to the kingdom of God is the new birth. Notice it's, it's not how religious, how moral or how good one has been. It's got nothing to do with status. It's got nothing to do with wealth. It's got to do with the new birth. Jesus says, you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter whether it's a per- person of higher status or the, or the bum on the street. Jesus says, you must be born again. You cannot buy your way in. You cannot work your way in. You cannot become a favourite with God on your way in. Even after all this, Nicodemus is puzzled by what Jesus said to him. He didn't understand, you know, scratching his head saying, hang on, but how can we be, go again into a mother's womb and be born again? That doesn't make any sense, Jesus. Because at this point, his eyes, his eyes were not open, his heart was not open. New birth is not a natural birth, it's a spiritual birth. It's a spiritual birth. In the text in verse 5, Jesus answers Nicodemus by telling him, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the spirit. What does that actually mean? If we look at at it in the context of what Nicodemus knew, the Old Testament usage would infuse water and spirit with the meaning that God would act for cleansing of his people. 
I quickly want to read to you Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27, where he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Jesus was saying that the two elements that are needed for acceptance into the kingdom is water and the spirit. So Nicodemus has actually been told here that some experience of regeneration is needed for an appreciation of the kingdom of God. Even after Jesus explains, Nicodemus still did not understand. He was slow to understand. Jesus rebukes him. Look what he says to him in verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? What's Jesus telling him here? He's telling him that the only way a person can understand these things is through regeneration. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The holy, work of the Holy Spirit on our lives helps us to see and understand the work of this gospel. Ezekiel passage said that I'll put my spirit in you and you'll receive a new heart. You'll receive a, a soft heart instead of a heart of stone. It's only by the work of the Holy Spirit that we are able to believe what Jesus is saying here. So in order for us to fully understand the work of the Spirit, we must understand what the Bible says about the human condition. The human condition without Jesus is total depravity. Listen to what the Bible says. Man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Man is born dead in transgression and sin. The Bible teaches that because unregenerate man is dead in transgressions, he is held captive by a love for sin so that he will not seek God because he loves the darkness and does not understand the things of God. Therefore, men suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. They continue to willfully live in sin because they are totally depraved. Their sinful lifestyle seems right to men. So they reject the gospel of Christ as foolishness and their mind is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is unable to do so. That is, that is the default position of, of humanity. Totally depraved, totally unable to receive these things, totally unable to believe in Christ because of the state of the heart. But through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we are then our eyes are opened, our hearts are softened, and we're able to receive Jesus. 
Regeneration is a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in transforming an individual. And only those that have been regenerated can understand the message of Jesus. The second important truth that Jesus teaches Nicodemus is a new birth is both sovereign and secret. Jesus continues his discussion and he tells him in, in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. No person directs the wind. God does. See, the wind comes from anywhere it likes. You, you can't tell where it's coming from. It just blows through, blows in. I mean, one part might be windy over here and over here it's not windy. The Holy Spirit is the same. He comes in and the Holy Spirit will fall here and not here. No person can direct the wind. It's chaotic. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is sovereign in bringing about the new birth. The Holy Spirit's operation in the new birth is incomprehensible in some respects, although its effects are discernible. That is, how the new birth comes about is part of the mystery of God's providential work in us. But we can know we are born again. We know we are born again because we have a change in our heart. Our passions are different. Our desires are different. We have a desire for the things of God. We also learn things about Jesus in this passage. Jesus finishes his discourse with Nicodemus by stating with certainty about who he is and where he's come from. Jesus says in verse 13, No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is affirming his authority to Nicodemus as the one who came from heaven. And he came for a specific purpose, which you read of in verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This is a quote from Numbers 21, 6 to 8. See, the Jews had complained and spoken against God and Moses. They said, why have you brought us out here in the wilderness to die without food or water? So as a punishment, God sent venomous snakes among them and a lot of them died. Then the Jews realised they had sinned and asked Moses to pray to God on their behalf. So God asked Moses to make a snake and put it on a pole so that when anyone was bitten, they looked up at the snake on the pole and they lived. What we can observe from this, this passage here is the deadly nature of sin. Sin can be pleasurable. Sin can be enjoyable. Sometimes we even like our sin because Satan crafts sin so that it is pleasing but it bites like a deadly snake. Sin will destroy you. There's only one remedy for sin, and that is the crucified Jesus, the Son of God. Isaiah tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and our punishment was laid on Jesus. So the cure for our sinfulness is to look, lift up and lift your eyes to the cross of Jesus and believe in faith that he's the only cure for sin. Jesus hung there 
Jesus hung there on that cross as an invitation. Look up, look to him, and you'll be saved. Jesus was telling Nicodemus that obeying the law, keeping the commandments and living a good life will still lead to death. I'm sorry, it's not good enough. But God in his mercy and love for mankind made the way to true redemption and forgiveness through Jesus. Once you believe and accept him, you become part of a new family and a new kingdom. One day he will return to overthrow his enemies and those that reject him and he will rule with his people. Today, Jesus is inviting you to accept him and believe in him. If you don't know Jesus, let me strongly urge you to reach out to him today and receive his gift of redemption. If you do know Jesus but you haven't really surrendered to him, he's inviting you today to come to him. As Nicodemus found out, being a good religious person is not enough. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I just want you to look into your own heart. Only you know your heart. I'm just going to say a prayer. You can pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know that my life has not been good. I know I've lived my life my way and I've lived in sin and sinfulness and selfishness. Jesus, I know that continuing in that way is going to lead me to death. Jesus, open my heart. Soften my, soften my heart, open my eyes that I may see you. I'm sorry for what I've done, for the offence I've caused you. I now ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life now. Send your Holy Spirit upon me that I might live for you, that you might give me a new heart that serves you, that when you return I might live, live with you. In Jesus' name.